Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Mark K. from The Mark K. Show. You hear me every day at 11 a.m. on News 104.5 WOKV. First of all, thanks for listening to The Mark K. Show podcast. Second, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the Burrish Daily Discussion podcast and Jacksonville's morning news interviews. And don't forget to head to iTunes or Google Play and leave a review. Thanks for listening. You've heard Mark K. filling in on The Herman Cain Show. Now, he's on every day at 11 a.m. This is The Mark K. Show on News 104.5 WOKV. It's time for Marky Mark! <laughs> thank, thank you very much. I appreciate it. What's up, everybody? This is the Mark K Show, and uh, my name is Mark K. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave me an open mic uh, about, you know, my name or anything else, go to our uh, mobile app, News 104.5 WOKV on the App Store, either the Google Play Store or the iTunes. It's all free, and you can just hit the open mic feature. Also, yeah, give us a buzz. You know, kick it old school on the phones. 340-1045 is the number. And I want to start off today not talking about President Donald Trump, although we will get to that here in just a minute. I'd like to start off talking about our former president, President Barack Obama. And, you know, a lot of people will tell you that Barack Obama was such an amazing president, uh, such an amazing American leader, a pinnacle, uh, you know, uh, of the American presidential history. And he, he, I mean, the one thing he did, of course, was smash through the color barrier to become the first African-American president. Huge accomplishment. Uh, he heralded hope and change the entire time he was running as a candidate. And, of course, while he held the office, you know, so that was also, that was also something that was that was monumental. Many say that he was the supreme social justice warrior and fought for years for the oppressed outliers who were forgotten by America. And of course, he's seen as a very charismatic leader who connected with not just the American electric electorate, but also people around the globe. And yet one of the things that I feel made him truly unique, the one thing that I feel made him really stand out, the thing that made him different than any other president that came before him or any other president that has come since him is the fact that President Barack Obama had six fingers on his right hand. Swear to God. Swear to God. It's true. I had no idea. It's true, though. I had no idea. I was looking at this portrait that was unveiled yesterday at the Smithsonian, and it's the portrait of, you know, Barack Obama sitting on a chair. There's a bunch of leaves behind. I don't know if it's like pot leaves or whatever from his college days. And then there's another portrait of what I assume is Michelle Obama, but it looks like it's not done yet. I don't know what's going on there. And if you look closely, because I was staring at these portraits every all day yesterday going, OMG, WTF. And I noticed if you look at Barack Obama's right hand, there are six fingers painted on his right hand. Well, okay, well, technically there's five fingers and then the thumb. The thumb is not shown, but I'm just going to assume it's there. I've seen, I mean, I've seen the guy. He's got thumbs. You know, I, I watched him uh, play all that basketball, all that golf. He needed that thumb. You don't, you don't get that good at golf, um, you know, without a thumb. So I, we assume the thumb's there. But then if you look, there's one, two, three, four, and a, and a fifth digit kind of tucked underneath, So which is a total of six digits. So on his right hand, uh, you know, so Barack Obama clearly, you know, you know, a, a, at least a finger above every other president that 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 there ever was. 
And, and you know, the media won't tell you. They never told us this. It never came out in the media. It never came out in any medical review or annual checkup. I'm sure what happened was the FBI and the DOJ helped him cover it up just like they did everything else. But, uh, but you know, now it's out. Now the uh, Smithsonian portrait. And if you go to our – you can go to our website, WOKV.com. You can also go to the Facebook page. I, I posted the story up there as well. And you can look at the portrait, zero in on the right hand, and you'll clearly see – you'll clearly see that this portrait, which Barack Obama himself sat for – so we can only assume that it is an accurate depiction of the man. Uh, this portrait has blown the lid off of, of one of the most uh, you know, uh, closely guarded secrets in political history, that Barack Obama was really the six-fingered man. So, uh, so did, you know, check that out. You know, and and you know, Donald Trump has little hands. Uh, Barack Obama has and, and now extra large, extra extra finger hands. Uh, but it just goes to show it doesn't sh- it doesn't matter what size your hands are. Uh, all that matters is you know can you can you actually get the job? It's really kind of creepy looking if you think about it. Um, so do take some time later today and uh, and see. I don't even want to get into to to Michelle Obama's portrait because I'm not even really convinced that it's her. I'm not even. I believe that that's you know how like people were convinced that Hillary Clinton had died halfway through the election and she was replaced. With a uh, with a stand-in, well, that one time she slipped and fell, and they had to throw her in the van, and then she went to Chelsea's house, and when she came back, she was like full of vim and vigor, and everyone's like, "That's clearly a body double." I think that's what I, I think the real Michelle Obama is gone, and uh, this, they've replaced her with some with some scary, you know, like uh, almost zombie version in this in this in this creepy portrait that's now in the um, on display in the Smithsonian. Again, you can see, and as far as I know, she just has the the requisite five fingers. On both of her hands, but uh, but we'll take a closer look at that. All right, now now on to the current president, President Donald Trump, who yesterday finally, after we waited for like an hour and a half, uh, came out to talk in depth about his about his 1.5 trillion dollar infrastructure package, of which 200 billion will be paid for by the government, by the federal government. 200 billion will be paid for by cutting back on other programs. And just the day before, he'd floated an idea, and I have to think that all of these things. Uh, all of these things are, are kind of conjoined. They're all kind of combined. But it, just two days before the um, the whole infrastructure plan was released, he floated an idea of privatizing space. He said this International Space Station that we pay for, it should be privatized. The International Space Station, the one we share with the Russians and the Chinese and the uh, European, there's a whole bunch of people. There's like six at a time. And they go up and they spend a year there and then they come down and they, you know, have holiday dinners there. And if you ever go to um, if you ever go down to uh, what is it? The NASA down um, at Cape Canaveral, there's a whole exhibit they show you. There's a movie you can watch about what life is like in the International Space Station. And Donald Trump says, hey, it's great. It's a wonderful thing, but it's costing us three billion dollars a year. And why are we spending money on that? We've already privatized so much of it. We don't we don't send the government doesn't send astronauts up and down to the space station anymore. Boeing does. And SpaceX, which is a privately held corporation, they have taken over the space travel duties. They're like the space Uber for American astronauts. You know, they tap a button on their phone. SpaceX shows up. They get in. They end up at the International Space Station and their credit card is automatically charged. Uh, And I guess they can add a tip now. If they want to, because that's Uber's thing. And Donald Trump floats his idea of saying, let's privatize the whole damn thing. Why are we paying $3 billion a year for the International Space Station when I'm sure that there's companies that would love the opportunity to fund it, to investigate it, to do research studies up there, to be a part of this? 
you know, to organize the back and forth. I'm sure there's private companies who, let's face it, are dedicated to the task of aviation and space exploration. We know I can name at least four. Right, I, you know, there's the Virgin Company, there's SpaceX, there's Boeing. What well, there's a, probably another one that I'm not even thinking of. You know, oh Lockheed Martin, I guarantee. And there's probably like five others on Kickstarter that I'm not even thinking of. You know, they're just they're trying to crowdsource a rocket as we speak, and they could probably do a better and cheaper job than the United States government. And of course, everyone goes ballistic. Ted Cruz, number one, is like, I hope this isn't real. I hope this is. I hope to God this is fake news. Because American uh, space domination requires that we maintain our place in the International Space Station. Does it really? Why is that? I didn't read that in the Constitution. Anyway, I didn't see that we had to dominate space. And is being part of the International Space Station really dominating space? I mean, if it's an International Space Station, it's not dominant at all. It's one small part of a bigger shared environment. If you're dominant, you don't share it. You go build your own damn space station. But we're not doing that because we know it's a waste of time and money. You know, now that Donald Trump says, look, if we're going to explore space, let's explore space. Let's go deep. You know, let's port it, put it into hyperdrive. You know, Chewy, Chewy, uh, engage the hyperdrive. Let's get out of here. Let's go to Mars. Let's go to Jupiter. Let's go to Pluto, which is now a planet again. Thank God, because I was, you know, sick and tired of arguing with my kids about how Pluto's not a planet. All of these things that we should be doing with our space dollars but aren't. And now Donald Trump comes up with a great idea to privatizing anything. I'll be honest with you. I believe personally is a great idea because when I look at the best inventions in in my life, when I look at the things that – and you feel free to call and tell me I'm an idiot because you wouldn't be the first one. 340-1045. And I know there's a lot of people that have worked at Cape Canaveral. I know there's a lot of people listening who have been involved in aviation and space exploration in the government. And, you know, by, by all means, I know there's a lot of military personnel who do test flights and things like that. Give us a buck. 340-1045 is the number. But I believe that any good and fantastically decent, awesome thing that has made my life better has been created by a private company whose who's, who's basically existence is based on creating a premier product at a lower price. Creating a, a premium product at a lower price is how a private corporation not only gains market share and becomes dominant in an industry, but also holds that market share and maintains dominance in an industry. My iPhone, for example, I, you know, I couldn't do this show or anything else in my life without my iPhone. And my iPhone was not created by the United States government. I imagine if my iPhone were created by the United States government, it would be like one of those uh, those old World War II phones where we're all carrying around a five-pound bag and there's a huge antenna and you've got to get to the top of the hill and crank it. And then you're listening in on it and you're like, send backup right now. <sighs> send air cover. That's how I imagine a government-created you know, created cell phone would look. It would be, it would be expensive. It would be poor quality. I wouldn't be able to play uh, Minecraft or Angry Birds on it, you know, and there'd be and forget Snapchat. There'd be none of that. Privately held companies are the way that that great new things are created. And not only that, but the competition is what sets them apart. We have no competition in the space program anymore because we've teamed up. First of all, we've shut down our shuttle program. And we've teamed up with an international contingent of space explorers. So how is that? We've killed off our own competition. And in doing so, we've killed off any hope we have at becoming better. Which is why I agree. Let's save the $3 billion and build some roads to Ohio. 
or Iowa or Utah or wherever they need them. 340-1045. Are we done with space as a country? Should we just hand it over to Elon Musk? Uh, give me a buzz. Let me know your thoughts. 340-1045. This is the Marquee Show. We'll be right back. This is the Mark K Show, and uh, my name's Mark K. Thanks so much for joining me today. So, uh, programming, I totally screwed up. I had fake news alert. Fake news. You are fake news. Yeah, I wrote, I said earlier it was Barack Obama's right hand that has six fingers, and that is a mistake. It is the left hand. And uh, I want to thank Gail uh, Lackey Sheffield, who posted on Facebook, you mean left hand? They're both horrible. <laughs> and uh, it does make sense that his left hand would have the six fingers because he's more left than any, any president we've ever had. He's farther to the left than anyone. So that would make sense. Uh, Sean... Sturmer wrote, they certainly are a great represent representation of his presidency, a complete joke. And Michael Wilds just wrote, these suck. So if you want to see both of the presidential portraits, both President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, and, and check out for yourself the left hand of Barack Obama to see that it does indeed have six fingers. I'd, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. 340-1045. Let's go to Claudia from St. Augustine. Claudia, thank you so much for calling the Marque Show. How are you? I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing very well. What do you think about uh, President Trump wanting to privatize the International Space Station, or at least the United States' role and, and part of the International Space Station? I actually think it's a wonderful idea. But my only question is, you were talking about privatized companies doing so well. Isn't the United States Postal Service privatized? I'm not, I'm not really sure on that, but isn't it? Uh, no, well the, at all. No, they're that's. I mean, yeah. And well, we have a guy I know who's going to call in because he's like a, a historian on the USPS. But no, they're not privatized. They're part of. They're a government agency run by the executive branch, and the postmaster general is a presidential appointee. Um, and that's a great example. You have the Postal Service uh, that has been, you know, run by the government for, I mean, since its inception, really, and still is today. And all these competitors come in and, and have basically been able to do a better job, offer better services, uh, you know, do the exact same thing and, and provide better service. And not just one, but two major competitors, UPS and FedEx, have, have moved into the space and not only thrived, but really changed the way that we ship packages, even Amazon. Even Amazon has has in, in uh, they have this new thing. I forget what it's called, but it's basically an Amazon Uber service where if you want to drive around and deliver packages, you sign up with Amazon. You download the app and you go out to the Amazon warehouse and you say, hey, I'm here. Load me up. And they load up your car with like 20 or 30 packages. Amazon now it's called. Thank you. And you go in and you uh, and you go, and you load up with 20 packages and they tell you where to deliver them and you go and deliver them and then you go home and Amazon sends you money. They're literally building a civilian army of Amazon delivery drivers. And that is that is like the next phase and this is something the US Postal Service would never do. You know, they're too busy spending money on 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 uniforms and and Jeeps that have the steering wheel on the wrong side. When you could really just have anybody with a Kia, you know, uh, or a, 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 a you know, a, a, what do you call it, a, a Toyota Prius or whatever, and, you know, they get a rental van. They could just drive around, deliver the packages. You give them money. It doesn't matter what they're wearing. It doesn't matter what they're driving. It doesn't matter what side of the car the steering wheel's on. The packages are going to get out there. Everybody's going to make more money, including the government. But, you know, the USPS is not a privatized company. It is government run. Amtrak is a is a corporation owned by the government. And, of course, you know, again, no competition there. You've seen how there's some issues with Amtrak as well. But when you're talking about space travel, when you're talking about something that is so precise, something that is so, uh, you know, exact, something that is so in demand, something that is so expensive, 
I think you would want to hand that over to a private company so that they could do it right, do it better, do it cheaper, and turn a profit. You know, let's 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 really get out there. The time, you know, we need to build some Millennium Falcons and you know start start making those uh, you know the those those runs in 12 parsecs or whatever. Three four zero one zero four five is the number. What do you think? Should we uh, dump NASA and hand it all over to the private sector? This is the Mark K Show. More of your phone calls coming up on News one zero four five WOKV. That's right. This is the Mark K Show. And my name is Mark K. Thank you so much. So uh, yesterday, uh, President Trump came up and said, hey, here's my infrastructure package. Here's what I want to do. I want to take $200 billion out of the budget. I want to cut these programs that just oh, I don't feel are worth anything or that we're spending too much on or are just, you know, a waste of money and put that toward infrastructure. And the rest, the rest of the infrastructure that we build, the roads, the bridges, the ports, the, you know, whatever else we're putting in there. That's all the airports. All of this is going to come from state budgets and private investment. And private investment is a huge part of Donald Trump's plan. And in fact, he floated the idea two days earlier when he said, hey, why don't we privatize the International Space Station? Why don't we take this three billion dollars we spend annually to have three dudes or three ladies or whatever or a mixture of them uh, live up in the space station for a year at a time? And it seems like an, an extreme amount of money for something that we don't even own outright. This is this is three billion dollars for something that we that we share the expense of. And he said, let's cut it out. We'll privatize it. We'll give somebody the rights to run it and and do the Americans part. And uh, and that'll be the end of it. Now, a lot of lawmakers, Ted Cruz, one of the, the staunchest proponents of it, saying, you know, and he's from Texas and Texas is a big NASA state. So is Florida. And he's saying, look, we need to continue NASA. We need to this International Space Station for uh, for American supremacy in space and beyond and yada, 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 whatnot. 340-1045 is the number. Is that true or is NASA something we should cut out of the budget? What else should we cut out of the budget? What else is an unnecessary expense that we can use uh, to go toward this infrastructure cost? Jerry, thank you so much for calling the Mark K Show. Jerry, how are you? Fine, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good. What do you want to say? Well, you mentioned Amtrak uh, is... Uh, he does want to cut seven hundred and some million dollars out of the Amtrak subsidy. Yeah, I am totally opposed to that. You will never find anybody that will be willing to compete against Amtrak simply because the private railroads do not want any part of it, and there's no way it can be profitable. Now, having said that, it does, I don't use it. I'm retired from the railroad in 54 years in yeah. the industry, but I don't use it because it just doesn't go where I need to go. It doesn't go where anybody needs it. That thing, nobody wants to compete with Amtrak. You're right, because there's no, I mean, to me, Amtrak is like newspapers. We just heard the, uh, the CEO of the New York Times said 10 years from now, there'll be no newspapers. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious as to why we still have passenger rail systems. I know for transporting goods and serve and, uh, products and bulk, whatever, it's really cost effective. It's in, it, you know, it's inexpensive. But for, for people, you know, tra- there's, live in some little tiny town out in South Dakota, you probably don't have a choice. You brought up, uh, I mean, I guarantee there's airports in South Dakota. I guarantee there's bus terminals, and well, it just seems yeah, to me... I wouldn't, I wouldn't get on a bus for nothing. Well, Having said that, what? I'll be making a trip in May to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I'll be going out there to ride a train. You're good. You're, how are you getting there? I'm getting there on Southwest Airlines. Yeah, see, so you, you got to fly to Albuquerque just to ride a train. Jerry, hey, I appreciate it, man, and thanks so much for calling. And that's correct. Fifty-four years in the, uh, you know, in the uh, in the train industry, and and again, it's not you know nothing bad against. I love trains. My kids love trains. I think it's cool. But I haven't been on an Amtrak train since I left. You know, 
Washington, D.C., and the only reason then is because it was convenient. It's, there's there's no convenience for putting trains anywhere in the United States outside of the major cities. Uh, people aren't going to use them. You know, highway improvement is much more important because everybody has a car. Everybody loves their car. High-speed rail, it's not going to catch on here. I, I mean, I just, I number one, don't think that people keep talking about it. They keep saying, hey, why don't we invest in that? I'm saying, why don't we not invest in it? Why don't we invest in some of those, you know, larger buses that are self-driving? Why don't we, how about drones? You know what one industry has come the farthest, the fastest? It's the commercial drone industry. Commercial drones were nothing seven years ago. Five years ago, they started with their very first commercial drone. Within five years, you now not only have a plethora of commercial drones, but they are they are they are faster, quieter. They have better GPS technology than some automobiles and small planes. They have great camera technology, and you can basically do the things that major motion picture studios had to do with a helicopter with a with a four hundred dollar drone and a cell phone. And that's a privatized industry. And drone technology now in other countries, they're starting to experiment with with human drone, not trafficking. That's totally different. Human trafficking is different. What am I saying? Oh, human drone transportation, where you have a huge drone, you get in it, you hit a button as to where you want to go, and it lands you there. Just like it's at Amazon delivery. 340-1045. These are the kinds of things I think where the money's going to go. And I don't know that the rail system is going to be able to compete or survive, especially at a commercial uh, passenger um, you know, system. Frank from St. Augustine, how are you? Good, yourself? Hey, good. What do you want to say about uh, NASA and some of these other things we could just cut out of the budget and, and make way for infrastructure? Well, I, I used to work there in the uh, 80s and had a lot of friends that got laid off during the, the worst recession since the 1930s yeah. uh, in September of 2011, which which happened to also be the same month that Solyndra went out of business. But I think President Obama could have very easily uh, gotten funding for that program, especially because it employed so many people. But But more importantly... It's not really reported much that our astronauts, our U.S. astronauts' access to that International Space Station is now provided by the country of Russia, launched, of course, from their their Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. And that's, that costs us $81 million per astronaut per trip. Yeah. Yeah. And any, any of the transports, any of the, the uh, supplies that they go back and forth, because we cut out the shuttle program because it was old and it was uh, run down and all that other, because of all that, we had to basically uh, say no thanks. And, and you're right. Now we outsource it to other people. What if we outsourced it to private American companies? It makes more, in, in a way, you're reinvesting in America because you're going to tax them on all that money that they're making from these private, uh, from these private space uh, uh, trips. Right. And uh, if you notice, Elon Musk now has a proposal for like 30 minute transportation by going ballistic in a rocket carrying passengers from, say, like uh, L.A. to London. Dude, there are other, uh, there are so many people that would pay whatever they're at, the two hundred thousand dollars for a trip to space. I mean, I would I would think that in this day and age with everything else that, that people have been doing, like, oh, yeah, was it was the the bungee jumping was huge and the, the private submarine tours. And now, you know, people just want to they, they go to Daytona and they drive around the racetrack at like 100 miles an hour and it costs them 300 bucks, whatever. I mean, the excitement, the adrenaline junkies that are out there. You would think you've got you've got guys that will spend a hundred thousand dollars on a bird suit and jump off of a cliff. You're telling me they wouldn't pay to go up in space for a couple minutes? I know I would if I had the money. Three four zero one zero four five. This is Dan. Dan, thanks for calling the Mark K Show. How are you? I'm I'm fine, Mark. Uh, I wanted to give you a little education oh, good. about the railroad industry. Yes, sir. I'm a retired retired Amtrak conductor. Worked Penn Central Freight, Conrail Freight, mm-hmm. National Railroad scandal there on subsidies. Uh, Amtrak's up to the, it's skimmable. 
And uh, remember, post-World War II, we had the number one railroad in the world. What happened to it? That's the question that needs to be asked. Why were we deprived of a coast-to-coast, border-to-border passenger network? Why didn't the passenger system uh, build, build itself like the auto industry did? It was taken away from the American public, and we were forced on automobile. We were forced on airline. If you could do 200 mile an hour coast to coast, border to border, would you want to drive? So you're saying you're basically saying that the uh, that Amtrak being a government run corporation is what really is destroying it, as well as all passenger travel on train in the United States. What I'm saying is that the American people had the greatest railroad in the world. Passenger wise, there's a book out called The Golden Years of Railroad. Uh, I've tried to find the paperwork on it, but I can't find it right yeah, now. Yeah, don't worry. Right. Nobody reads anymore anyway. But, well, yeah, I'll, well, take, I'll take your word for it. You don't need to take my word for it. Investigate it. Who took us out of the railroad industry? I used to, I used to service factories on freight. Those rail lines are gone. They're bicycle trails. Yeah. The factories are gone. If we're going to bring businesses back to this country, we've got to have a railroad service uh, ability to for the cost of shipping and handling of goods. Right, and the only way you're going to do that is to have some private corporation or entrepreneur who can make money at it and find investors who can also make money at it. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for calling. Thanks for the education. We appreciate it. Paul, uh, thanks for calling the Mark K Show. How are you? What the previous caller said is true. It is the Eisenhower interstate system that destroyed the railroads, specifically passenger trains. We had an excellent railroad passengers train system in this country at one time, but the Eisenhower interstate system destroyed it. The beauty of it was at one time it was privately owned and operated, but the interstate highway siphoned off all the passengers to the point where the Nixon administration had to create a government entity called Amtrak in order to operate the few trains that were left. Now, a few minutes ago, I heard you say, use the term high-speed rail. Yeah. Forget, about, for, forget high-speed rail. Yeah, no, when, I don't think it's going to work. I hear people, when I hear people use the term high-speed <laughs> rail, that indicates to me they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> high-speed rail, it, it's a media-created term. Forget about high-speed rail. Let's just deal with medium-speed rail. Trains operating at 79, 80 miles per hour. Right. But there's no market. I mean, there's no market for that, Paul, right? There's no market outside of... What do you mean mean there's no market for it? Try to get get a reservation with Amtrak. Those trains are booked already. Try to get get a reservation on the Northeast Corridor. What do you mean there's no market? All right. Well, then why is there no competition? Why is nobody coming in and saying, hey, I can, you know, there's no seats on Amtrak. Come sit on my night nicer, faster train that's cleaner, has air conditioner, uh, free Wi-Fi, and is cheaper. Because they are, because they, they cannot make a profit. No right. form of transportation can ever makes a profit. That, every form of every form of transportation in this country is government subsidized because it's unprofitable. Do interstate highways make a profit? No. Do airports make a profit? But interstate no. interstate highways aren't pro- private. But the air, the airline industries do. In fact, the airline industry started making a profit because they were paid by the United States government to fly the mail around. And then they said, Hey, you know what? Why don't we sell some tickets to some people while we're flying this mail around and then all of a sudden they were making more money selling the tickets to the people they dumped the mail hey thanks so much for the call great great wow i'm learning so much about railroads who knew three (laughs) who knew i didn't know so much three four oh one oh four five this is the mark k show we'll be right back on news 104.5 wokv 
That is right. The Mar- that's right. There's the Marque Show now on News 105 and then on, on the podcast. So you can go back and listen to all this great information we've learned about the the National Railway System and how it was ruined, just totally destroyed by President Eisenhower and the highways. Uh, thanks to all of our passionate and knowledgeable railroad historians for calling in today. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I learned I learned so much about trains today, uh, more so than I ever learned from watching television with my kids. Anyway, uh, 340-1045 is the number if uh, if you want to get in here and you want <laughs> you want to comment about the you know infrastructure, how we get money, whether we should privatize NASA, anything at all. Let's go to uh, John real quick. John, thanks so much for calling the Mark K Show. How are you? Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, we're good. What do you want to say? Well, quick comment about train. Yeah. Back in the 80s, I took a train from Louisiana to Tucson, Arizona. No, it sounds it horrible. Really, it was a really cool trip. Oh, well, and good. All right, never mind. I, I, yeah, it was a it was a great trip, and I've always wanted to you know get back on a train and take another train trip. So now I live in Central Florida, and about two years ago I wanted to go to Las Vegas, and I thought, well, hey, that would be great, you know, great trip to to, to you know halfway across the country, three quarters of the way on a train. So I checked the airplane flight, a couple hundred bucks, and like six eight hours, start to finish, including security checking and all that. All right, got it. So then I go to Amtrak and I check out Amtrak. Well, first I have to get myself to Stanford. Then I go from Stanford to I believe Washington D.C. From Washington, and then I think it's over to Chicago. From Chicago to L.A. And right. They put me on a bus from L.A. Over to uh, Las Vegas. The total trip was almost three days. Yeah, and I'm like, and how much money? It was probably comparable to the airline. Oh no, it was like almost twice as much. Oh, (laughs) and that's that's, a little sleeper bird thing. Yeah, like three or four times as much. No, that's exactly. Look, see, and you (laughs) you pinpoint. So it takes three days to get there, and it costs three times as much when you could hop on an airplane and be there in six hours. I mean, again, these are some of the issues that we see with government-funded agencies, and that's why Donald Trump is going through the budget and saying, "What is running too expensive? What is too mundane? What don't we?" need anymore this three billion dollars that we pay to the international space station get rid of it let's build some more roads uh you know i guess just like i i know roads are a very sensitive subject for train operators all right listen <laughs> this has been the mark k show news 104.5 wokv we'll be back tomorrow we'll get to all the stuff we didn't get to today tomorrow and all the stuff that happens between now and then too i promise in the meantime stay tuned the news and rush limbaugh is next on news 104.5 wokv